Welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. There is so much noise on the interweb these days about what women should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to their fitness and health. Not only is it all too often tied to shame and fixing our bodies, it can also be incredibly detrimental to our health and wellness overall. The Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast sorts through the BS and offers advice and actionable tactile steps to support and build a better relationship to your amazing body through every stage of womanhood. It aims to break the cycle of keeping women in the dark about their extraordinary machines and revolutionize the way we move, eat, and live so that our daughters and our daughters' daughters look in the mirror and feel exactly what they are. Fierce, beautiful, and capable of everything. The revolution starts here. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. At the time of this podcast release, we are just dancing into the second week of January, which can be a fairly common time where that high energy burst we arrived in January with, with all those new year, new us goals might be starting to wane a bit. And that is totally normal, totally expected, and that's part of the joy of a continued lifelong practice. But the other side of things, we might be just straight killing it with our workouts, but now we're starting to find that we're afraid to take any days off because we're worried it'll fudge up the momentum we've created on this incredible new habit that we've worked so hard to sustain. And I see it time and time again with folks new to fitness or newly back, this all or nothing mentality with our workouts. And of course, Of course we approach fitness in this way because, once again, the old interweb still so often preaches things like grind set and no days off or no pain, no gain. And the good news is that is not how fitness works, especially not sustainable fitness. Not if we actually want to accomplish our goals and not destroy our hormones and a slew of other physiological benefits. So, to put your mind and your body at ease, and before we get too far into this month, so we can hopefully give you some serious permission to take those rest days as seriously as your workout days, today we are going to be talking, one, the importance of rest days, two, how often do you take your rest days, three, what is active recovery and what does it look like for you, four, fueling for your rest days, aka the food stuff, Five, a quick little note on sleep. So jumping right in, why is rest so important? And anyone who is a professional in the strength training and fitness world will absolutely agree that rest days are just as important as your workout, if not more so. And this is for a few big reasons. First, as counterintuitive as it may sound, you actually get stronger in the repair phase of your exercise program. The repair phase are those rest days. So that is going to be when your muscles actually have time to rebuild. Exercise causes a level of muscle breakdown while you're exercising. So if you're not giving yourself adequate time to rest, your muscles continue to remain in a state of breakdown and never get that chance to fully rebuild. Rest days also are a big player in glycogen replenishing, which is essential for energizing our workouts. So no rests, no gains. Another serious bummer of not allowing for repair is that we leave ourselves open to overuse injuries. This may mean we lose a week of workouts, but more commonly with injuries, it's weeks 
plural of workouts. And if we think of how long it took us to finally commit to this routine we're in, we need to be really honest and ask ourselves, am I more likely to stay consistent after one day of rest or after six weeks of an injury starting back feeling like I'm at the very beginning all over again? This is also why in the long run, rest days allow our fitness lifestyles, because remember, it's a lifelong journey to be more sustainable. And lastly, just for today, because I could talk about this forever, as women or humans who have ovaries and menstruate, overexercise can take a major toll on our hormones. Exercise is a stressor. And yes, a certain amount of stress is actually a good thing for our body because it can cause positive adaptations. But when we overdo it, we overstress our nervous system, and this can lead to a lot of issues down the line. Some common side effects to look for when it comes to overtraining are feeling exhausted all the time, feeling depressed or anxious, hair loss, decreased immunity. So if you're getting sick really easily, joint pains, general soreness, starting to store fat around the midsection. Because remember, one of the side effects of high cortisol, that high stress hormone, is that we start to store fat in the midsection. Not having energy in your workouts or in your life at work with family and friends, slowing metabolism, so your body is actively making up for the energy depletion, loss of period, to name a few. And before we move on, I want to just touch really fastly on the loss of period as it's related to exercise. This is also known as hypothalamic amenorrhea, or HA, which is where our hypothalamus gland in our brain slows or stops the release of gonadotropin-releasing hormone, GNRH. Pretty fancy stuff, I know. That GNRH is responsible for starting our menstrual cycle. We haven't talked about it too much on this show yet, and I highly recommend exploring the works of Maisie Hill, who is the author of Period Power and just overall a total baddie in regards to why it's so deeply important that we are ovulating when we are capable of ovulating. But the absolute cliff note is that our period as fertile humans is our fifth vital sign. And missing periods means danger for the rest of our body in many different ways. So if you are missing your periods, please, please, please talk to your practitioner stat because that's a big deal when we don't ovulate we so release an egg we don't release progesterone which is our feel-good hormone among other things it also balances our estrogen and because we're not producing that progesterone that means we can become estrogen dominant which those side effects are going to look very much the same as what we think of when we think of perimenopause since it's the same cause that estrogen dominant so that could be higher levels or so higher levels of estrogen, lower levels of progesterone that could look like hot flashes, poor sleep, anxiety or mood swings, weight retention, just to name a few. If you're taking hormonal birth control, this can get kind of tricky noticing if you, this will get tricky because you won't necessarily miss your period because even if you are experiencing HA, you'll still more than likely be bleeding monthly because hormonal birth control stops ovulation. So when we bleed month to month, that isn't a bleed as a result of an ovulation cycle. It's a withdrawal bleed. So we're still shedding our uterine lining because our body needs to do that to avoid certain types of cancer. But it's not, again, as a result of ovulation. So we're not creating that progesterone. That's why you have all the 
synthetic hormones and birth control. So if you're on birth control, please pay special attention to other areas of your life with how you're feeling to gauge if you're overtraining. So again, general fatigue throughout the day, really low energy in your workouts, maybe hair loss, weight gain, just keeping be keeping a mindful watch on your feeling, how you're feeling. So with all that out there, please say that I've convinced you to take some rest days. And if I haven't, let me know and I will happily point you to experts much smarter than me who can dive into the deep science behind the undeniable importance of rest days. Or no shade, if you have to do what I had to do, go off and experiment with yourself because I promise once you feel the benefits of rest days and or the consequences of lack of rest days, it'll become clearer and clearer and clearer the importance. I definitely have a history. I've been doing this for over 10 years. When I started working out, I went through periods of overtraining and until I started taking rest days, I had no idea that I could actually feel good. So Okay, enough of that. Now we know why you gots to be taking the rest days. But let's talk about when we should be taking those rest days. And there are different schools of thought on this. But what I lean into generally with my clients or the average person who's working out to get stronger or build confidence, have energy, boost their mood, or really any reason that's not for a specific upcoming competition, I like to say start trying to listen to your body and be okay leaning into more rest days. Over time, it becomes easier to delineate whether we're just feeling groggy this morning and could actually use a workout to feel a little bit better versus when our body is seriously exhausted and needs rest. Because remembering that fitness is a lifelong journey, we're going to have to eventually take rest. And the more that we can start listening to our body, the more clear those cues, just like hunger cues, will become. If you're new to working out or newly back to working out, I very humbly suggest starting with two to three workouts per week. And we'll talk in a moment about active recovery and what that is and what that can look like on your off days. But starting with this schedule of two to three workouts per week, so that's five to four rest days. Wow, you guys hear that math just hit? Um, So starting with that schedule, it not only allows your body and your nervous system to adjust to this new stressor in a positive way, it also creates a sustainable start to your aforementioned lifelong fitness journey. I find it most beneficial personally when I'm programming for clients to break their fitness programming up into phases of four to six weeks. I find that that's a good amount of time to give our body the time it needs to adapt to the current phase of training and give us ample time to check in with how we're feeling and how and if we're ready to progress. So if you're looking to keep your workout length and intensity relatively the same after your first four weeks of training, a great way to increase intensity when you're ready would be to add in an additional workout so that now you're working out more like four days per week with three rest days. It fits if right now you're realizing that it just fits beautifully in your schedule to keep that two to three days of strength training, but you want to work on progression a bit, then you might want to explore increasing the intensity of your workout. This could incorporate either changing up the style of your training, increasing the length of your sessions, maybe increasing the weight you're lifting, etc. And this is sort of a deeper talk on progression, but progressing to get stronger as it pertains with still keeping rest days. Because what I'm getting at here is there are We will always be progressing, but that is not at the expense of sacrificing our rest days. Rest days will always stay built in. So now say you're listening to this podcast and you've been doing this for a while, 
let's say you've been working out for a few years. You've been working really hard, but maybe you haven't been giving yourself permission to take rest days or many rest days. And chances are you're probably not seeing the gains that you feel like you should be seeing. And you're probably feeling pretty tired in your workouts or maybe you're getting grumpy or crashing around that 2 or 3 p.m. period of time. And my suggestion for you, if you're working within a seven-day cycle, so you're programming week by week, every week your workouts sort of look the same, I recommend everybody should be taking at least two full days of rest from your training. And you can place these strategically after a super challenging lift day, or if you want, you can put them back to back at the end day, end of a five-day training set. And just one more word on for when you've advanced more into several years of training. I'm also a really big fan once you've been training for a while to start thinking of your workouts outside of a seven-day training window. Personally, I look at my training cycles closer to an eight to 10-day cycle. I try to fit in within eight to 10 days, two to three heavy lifts, two hits, one to two runs, and at least one full yoga class, if not two. And what I've found works really well for me is batching my days of training into two to three-day periods of training, focusing on different modalities, and then adding a rest day at the end. So bear with me. I'm just going to throw the example out and then we can move on. But one example of how my training might look is that I might train legs on Monday, run on Tuesday, do a hit class on Wednesday, and then take Thursday as a rest day. I'm back on Friday with chest and back. I'll do yoga on Saturday, throw in a hit session on Sunday, back to my rest on Monday. Tuesday, I'm doing a push workout, hit class on Wednesday. I'm going to run on Thursday pull on Friday, and then rest on Saturday. So I fit in each of my training sessions, but they don't fall on the same day every single week because it is a longer cycle. And if your eyes just glazed over, I have that effect on women. So getting back to it, the big takeaway is the more rest, or the big takeaway is rest rest, rest. Your body needs time to adjust. At least at the bare minimum, give yourself two full days of rest each week, even as you advance into your workout journey. So let's talk a little bit about what we could do on our days off. And this is a little thing called active recovery and how it could be helpful. So before we talk about it, if you're version of a good day off is just straight chilling, taking off your wearable and not even counting your steps, I'm here for it. But for a lot of us, when we're starting out new to fitness, it can feel like a really dangerous tight rope walk to take a day off. And I've heard from quite a few folks the same fear that arises time and again, that I'm scared if I take a day off, I won't get started again. And if you have had a history of yo-yo exercising, as I did for a very long time, it can make a lot of sense that that fear is ingrained to us. We've just experienced it over and over again, that sensation of we take a day off and suddenly it turns into two days off and suddenly five days later we're saying to ourselves again, I'll get started tomorrow and then a whole year's gone by. But if this is the case, or on the other hand, if moving just makes you happy and the idea of being still for a day kind of drives you nuts like it does for me, active recovery is for you. And like I sort of just alluded to, I'm actually a really big fan of active recovery because it brings in restorative movements into our life and is a great time to focus on 
really important things like posture, mobility, range of motion, natural movement patterns. Active recovery is the practice of being active in a way that doesn't jack up our heart rate or overstimulate our nervous system hence causing stress like more intense exercise does. This can include things like walking, easy hiking, gentle yoga practices, stretching, and tai chi to name a few. And if you're nervous about falling off tracks, quotes here by the way, there is this is an excellent way rather to carve out time for your workouts but fill it with restorative movement practices. So If one of your goals in 2024 was to make sure that every day at 7 a.m. you are moving your body, it is not healthy to exercise hard every day at 7 a.m. But if it is your goal on those three to four rest days, rather than hitting an intense workout, that 7 a.m. could be a walk. That 7 a.m. could be a yin yoga practice. That 7 a.m. could be tai chi or moving meditation. So it's a great way to keep it in your schedule without overtaxing your nervous system. And I do encourage you, if you get to a day and are just kind of feeling off or feeling kind of sick, it is okay to rest always. Alrighty, here comes the fun stuff. Let's chat fueling, as in the foods. Is a, another common mistake I see, and I have 1,000% made myself in the past, is feeling like we should eat less on our rest days or calorie deficit. And y'all, we do not need to earn our food with movement. So let's just go ahead and agree to nix that notion right now. Deal? Deal. I love it. Even if we didn't exercise at all, period, our body still needs fuel to function. And the majority of our energy goes towards our basal metabolic rate or BMR, which is the energy it takes our body to burn just to exist. Add into that caloric equation the fact that rest days are for our body to rebuild our muscles. We need fuel for that. And I'm talking all the macros, protein, fat, carbs, give it to your system. And again, for my humans who are currently having a menstrual cycle, for the majority of us, it is actually can be, okay, let's see, under eating and fasting is what I'm about to dive into. For those of us on in a, in a place in our lives where we're fertile, having a menstrual cycle, the majority of us, it is detrimental for our sex hormones to fast, to skip breakfast, to undereat. It can also deregulate our blood sugar and it can drive up our cortisol level, which again, seems counterintuitive when we think of losing weight. And we did a podcast on this last week. We think less food, more movement. But when we're doing that, it can drive up our stress hormone, that cortisol. And in return, it actually promotes fat storage and a ton of other not so fun side effects. And again, now just talking about fasting, when we are after when we're in menopause, so when we're through that perimenopause and even towards the end of it, when we're starting to ovulate less and less, and then when we're fully done with our periods and into that menopausal state, fasting can be more accessible to our endocrine system, but we do want to make sure that we do not double whammy that, especially right at first with both fasting and under eating calories. Or again, we're going to find ourselves spiking our cortisol levels, leading to adrenal fatigue, poor sleep, low energy, hair loss, 
fat storage, and more. And nutrition truly is an N equals one practice. So at the end of the day, the right nutrition for you is going to be the one that makes you feel the best and helps you perform the best. My food for thought here, get it, is simply we don't earn food. Our body needs food to recover and it needs food to exist. So please, 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 please eat on your rest days. And finally, a quick note on sleep, which is near and dear to my heart because I just very recently went through a phase of not sleeping so great. And boy, oh boy, I felt these effects firsthand. Sleep is everything. Good sleep makes or breaks all things health and wellness. I don't care whose podcast you're looking or listening to, whose book you're reading, what documentary you're getting down on. Every expert in the health and wellness field is, I'm going to say, pretty darn comfortable for the most part. 99% are in agreement that sleep is the thing. Sometimes exercise can be really beneficial for sleep. It helps us fall asleep. It can increase the quality of our REM sleep. But when we start getting into that over-exercise territory, it can actually start to ruin our sleep. Because remember, exercise is, at the end of the day, a stressor. So if we're overloading our nervous, endocrine, and or adrenal system, this can show up in the quality of our sleep, either by leaving us tired and wired or unable to fall asleep, or unable to stay asleep once we finally do fall asleep. And there are a myriad of issues that arrive after just one night of missed sleep. So if it comes down to exercising more or sleeping more, please, please, please choose your sleep. Sleep more. And the overall note that I want to finish on when it comes to recovery and taking care of your incredible body and how it actually helps to assist you and your system, your workouts, your life, is a quote from the incredible Dr. Stacey Sims and her must-read book, Roar. And it's just a reminder to be gentle on yourself because life is busy and it's full. And exercise is just one small piece of your overall health picture and an even smaller piece when it comes to your day-to-day life. Is it an incredibly important piece? undeniably. I do this for a living. I'm passionate about it. I want you moving your bodies. If you haven't exercised before, download that free beginner's guide to exercise or strength training right now. It's going to be in the show notes. It's there for you because I do believe it's the make or break of our health. But at the end of the day, it's just one part of our overall wellness. And as I mentioned in Roar, Dr. Stacey Sims' amazing book, which I highly recommend reading for all of my ovulators out there. When I talk about overtraining to amateur athletes. They often act surprised, as if it's just a problem for the pros. Nothing could be further from the truth. Everyday active people are actually more prone to staleness and overtraining, which are marked by persistent fatigue and poor performance because they don't have the luxury of putting their feet up and getting proper rest after their hard training sessions. Instead, they're staying up late to finish work, shuttling kids to doctor's appointments, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, walking the dog, you know, life. So show your body some love. 
You are not quitting if you take rest days. You're training like a mother fudge an athlete, baby. And if you feel like you need more help learning how to structure in rest days or what they can look like, or even if you need a little extra permission from someone who is certified to tell you to work out and rest, I am here for you. Drop a DM on my Instagram, shoot me an email, or if you want some free resources that you can just do on your own, like I said, check out that free beginner's guide to strength training that talks about how you can start building a really solid exercise practice with two to three 30-minute workouts a week. And if you just want a built-for-you program and you want to take the guesswork and thinking out of getting healthy, check out and sign up for that commitment-free week or waitlist rather for our three-month group online fitness boot camp that is called Strength Foundations for Women. And it is designed to get you training well and sustainably. So at the end of those three months, you know exactly what you're doing and you can do it on your own forever and ever and ever. Because as always, you and your body are so very worth it. And If I may just say, if you're digging what you're hearing, please, please, please take four seconds to like, review, and share. It's how we can spread the love of taking care of our body to women all over. And if you have any questions or idea for topic, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at kinsey.does.the.fitness. Shoot me an email at kinsey.dement at gmail.com. Or, you know, just send a pigeon my way, yell into the wind, whatever, and I will come running. I love your ideas. You guys bring me daily inspiration. I'm so grateful for you being out there. Not to mention all of this in your time means the world to me, not just because you're taking precious time out of your day to listen, but because you're taking precious time to put towards your precious bodies. Until next time, Raiders. Ah, Rue.